The MX Vice Show. Alright, welcome everybody to episode 146 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you today, as always, as we look back on the incredible 2023 motocross the nations and earn A and chat a little bit of silly season if we have time. I'm Ed Strapman, your host. Before we welcome our special guest and the great man, Lorenzo Resta, who enjoyed a very busy weekend in France, the first part of the show is brought to you by Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Landrin Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas Bogers, and nine times world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, including Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsyourup.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. All right, welcome, Lorenzo Resta. How was the weekend, mate? Very busy one for you. Did an awesome job on the inside the paddock. Showed lots of cool feedback. <laughs> the fans loved it. There was lots of fans doing some crazy stuff live while you were interviewing, mate, like the guy doing the worm and the chainsaws. And just generally, it was pretty awesome, mate. So that was a cool addition. And you were pretty much the perfect man to host it with your passion, knowledge, relationship with everyone in the paddock not just the riders everyone so how was it mate and you managed to uh avoid getting that beer shoved down your throat <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i just you know that was funny also at the end of uh when we we get away because we were just closing the the the, the video at that time then the guy said to me i give you if you want to drink it by yourself i give you my beer that was crazy <laughs> but really nice i mean i mean it's uh it was a crazy weekend i'm still recovering a little bit because uh as I told you, I'm getting older and uh, it takes uh, always more time. This time I was wearing three different jackets uh, during the weekend. I was working, of course, for Motosprint as is my main job. But then I was also working for Infront for the first time in my life. So wearing this uh, shirt and hoodie was like a kind of big responsibility for me because uh, uh, I was feeling the way to carry on the, the live uh, for uh, for in front uh, and like to try to uh, I don't know give uh, something new something extra uh, some kind of uh, uh, behind the scene to the spectators and that was uh, the target uh, that we we planned with in front. Uh, I have uh, some good feedbacks from uh, uh, a little bit all over the world uh, comments on the social stuff like that also on in front social um we would see maybe maybe something that uh we can do it next year again uh sometime during few gp uh the, the busiest uh, the one with most spectators so we don't know yet uh, it was just uh, a trial and and uh, we take it as it came uh, and the third jacket was the ram dodge ram jacket as uh i, I did uh like uh, the animation uh i mean i, I was the uh, talking with the guys uh, from uh, from the truck and uh, invite them to come to check the trucks to take some gadgets and stuff like that. So unfortunately, I was completely sick since Friday. 
So Friday morning, I had fever and I was destroyed. And you can feel it uh, in my voice on Sunday. The voice was completely down, over. Uh, I even could not talk in the morning. So trying to do whatever to recover, eating honey, having pills and stuff just to try to talk. Uh, so it was quite, quite uh, tough also because uh, the nation, you have long days uh, and I was just changing my cloth every 15 minutes, then running on track, shooting the pictures, uh, coming back on time uh, before the end of the motos, change again, taking the microphone, put the, uh, you know, everything on and uh, to, to listen to uh, the Paul Malin on TV. I had always the commentary of Paul when I was walking around the track, shooting the pictures to know what was happening then to don't say bullshits during the live. <laughs> and just after the, at the end of my live, I was taking away the infant jacket, putting on the other one, uh, uh, jumping on a ram truck and then jumping back on my photographer suit just to uh, going, taking some pictures and then writing, of course, in the evening articles for the website. So, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy weekend, but I had a lot of fun. And I have to say that the atmosphere was just great, you know, just fantastic. It's difficult to uh, to find a place more uh, enthusiastic for motocross. Everyone was happy. Everyone was crazy. Everyone, many people were drunk, but nobody was were annoying, you know. Nobody was uh, uh, just annoying. They were just cool guys. I have to thank a lot of people, uh, starting from Infront, uh, uh, because they believed in this project. They wanted to take it on. I have to thank all the guys that I had on my interviews, that uh, those interviews were in between the motos, where normally those guys are really busy, like Marcos Pereira de Freitas, uh, uh, like some riders, like Guadagnini, like uh, many, many, many. And they all were so kind with me. Uh, waiting and like Andrea Dovizioso, he could just say, "Yeah, I I would do it on the on the grid like he did," but he then also accepted, you know, to to meet me uh, and also all the people that uh, uh, permitted us to enter uh, in their facilities, in their hospitalities, in their owning, and uh, and it was it was nice. It was just uh, to me uh, really nice. And thanks also to Lewis Phillips at the end, my last guest. Uh, that was quite funny because. We had then Paul Jonas coming uh, and Jeremy Sewer and just stopping there, you know. Yeah, but it was great. Nothing was planned. So it was just cool, as you can imagine. And, uh, and I had a lot of fun. And that's always the most important. Uh, just sorry for my voice because it was completely down. But I tried to just uh, uh, push with, with, with all the energy I had to, to let people understand from home how cool can be an event like this. Numbers were crazy. Uh, talking about uh, more than uh, 100,000 people in three days with uh, quite expensive tickets, <laughs> hours of queuing just to buy the entrance of the paddock, uh, hours of queuing just to buy the tickets for food and everyone just uh, enjoying the moment. Uh, I see also people that probably they will not remember nothing about this weekend. They were completely drunk since Friday morning till Sunday night, maybe Monday morning. They were lying on the ground mostly of the time, <laughs> never on the track to see the riders, but they were so happy. So, okay, everyone enjoy in his way. 
to me, it was a little bit crazy to see those guys, but I can tell you that there were some people drunk from the morning to the evening <laughs> with the really. And, uh, and this time I could not go to the camping uh, site. That, that's the, normally the craziest place uh, uh, during the weekend uh, because that everything happened there. And, uh, and it's a kind of trip to hell and back if you're able to come back. But, but I mean, and I never saw violence. I never saw violence. I never saw people uh, like disturbing. So I saw just people a little bit crazy than normal, craziest than normal. But everyone was enjoying uh, the moment and the nations. What to me brings back again the nation on the top of the season as the most important event of the season is where everything can happen. And probably is the moment where sport is more important than everywhere in the season. Because, of course, we are doing a sport, we are competing for a sport, but it's a question of money, it's a question of sponsors, it's a question of prestige for the brands, it's a question of selling bikes. The nations is a bit different, mostly of the federation, the teams, uh, the manufacturer, put their money just for the sport, just for one time to create a, a unique opportunity to see nations fight or compete for one title. And it's the same if we, you see what happened with France, uh, the team that is composed by three riders that normally hate each other completely. They don't talk each other. They, they would like probably to kill each other in normal time they were working all together under uh, the supervision of uh, Gautier Polen in a fantastic atmosphere. Okay, sometime something was a bit on the limit, like, for example, at the end of the first moto the, and the second moto, they even didn't give each other a high five or stuff like that. You know, they ignore, ignore completely themselves. Uh, and, uh, and also, I think if Tom... Uh, could have won this second yeah. moto at the race. He, he, he was trying everything, you know. Yes, because there's uh, something uh, behind everything. But the magic is that for one day, they all uh, do the same together and they all work for the same target. And that's crazy. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's well said, mate. And you've got to give a lot of respect to the fans, obviously, because it's not cheap, you know, paying out for the camping, the paddock passes, all that. And they just love the sport. And, you know, they love supporting their nations for this special event. So they deserve so much credit for making it what it is, because without them, it's really nothing, is it, mate? And the atmosphere just yeah. looks absolutely incredible, mate. So, yeah, massive respect to the fans and definitely hope to get to Madeley Basin next year myself to check it out. Obviously my wife and I had a wedding this weekend, so we couldn't attend it, uh, this one, but definitely keen to get to next year, mate. But I guess just some other things about the weekend, all the costumes of the fans, the lit kits from the riders, there was so much color, so much sort of vibrancy about it, mate. And just the event, the organizers put on a massive show, didn't they? And all those hospitality tents were so well done. So just a couple of other words about that and mate, just the sheer cost of everyone getting to the event, the travel and then having to pay to get in there. It's a lot of respect for those guys, isn't it? Yeah. So first of all, I will let you, I tell you and I guarantee you that uh, the nation is much better than a wedding. So next time <laughs> on the nation, because it's way better. <laughs> it's more expensive probably, but it's better. Yes. Then I can tell you that you perfectly said that uh, 
the much much respect for the fans because without the fans we could not do the uh, event first of all because it costs a lot of money and then because the atmosphere is probably 95% of the show uh, the atmosphere that they create let me tell you that on uh, sunday morning i arrived on track like every every day like around 7:30 and i was walking up because it was like 500 meters up to the press room that was really demanding and arriving on top i just put my stuff in, the, in my like uh, the, the, my place and then i said okay let me see how it looks the track without anybody as it was almost still a little bit dark and then me my big surprise like one third of the public was already there sitting waiting for some action in the next hours you know and i was like oh my gosh that is something that you will never see on a normal gp and even for a nation is a little bit more than normal like much more than uh, red bud last year even if it was fantastic also in red bud so really thanks to the fans for the atmosphere for the effort they did uh because coming there is not easy it's far away from everywhere far away from airports far away from uh, and they come from really all over the world from australia to canada from USA to Germany, England, Greece, Belgium, Italy, whatever in Europe and in the world. And it's something amazing. And there is also another point that to me, personally, as is my 20th season in uh, motocross, uh, my 19th Grand Prix of the Nation, as in 2020, we did another GP of the Nation that it should have been in Erne, but it was cancelled for the pandemic. Uh, so <laughs> let me tell you that find back some of the people that were competing in the MXGP or MX2 in past. Uh, and now they are like back in Australia, in America, uh, or going there for riding, create their career. Find them again in the same paddock. It's something that is quite, uh, I would say, so nice, so almost romantic. Uh, I had the, the chance to chat with the uh father of the lawrence brothers for quite a while and having really a nice conversation you know say welcome back how nice it is to see you and how big progress your kids have done or dean ferris for example he, he saw me and he said hey lorenzo and i was like oh my gosh he remembered my name you know it's and and then the same is for some of the the like aaron plessinger as i was under the owning of KTM last year with Tony, so and the people from the American team always the same, and Roger De Costa and all those guys, you know. <clears throat> so it's really really nice. That's something just that sometimes create troubles are the new numbers and new colors. Yeah. The first like to practice, you look on track. Like I I swear the first MXGP uh, um, free practice. I was there, I was shooting picture. Then at the end, I said, wow, Tim Geyser is not riding. Then luckily, I, I watched my picture and I, I got him with 118. But it was because I, I didn't recognize him. I was looking for riders, but then I just missed him. But it's because this number story is a little bit wide. We have a proposal from someone, uh, uh, some fans. Uh, in the paddock that uh, is to give number one to the winning team to 
all three riders, number one. Number two, to the team that went set. So, for example, next year, France, three number one. Australia, three number two. And with different color of the number plate, so you can recognize easily the class. Uh, and doing it like that will reduce a lot the numbers. And you can recognize the team easiest, you know, in an easier way because you say, oh, yeah, those are the winners. The French is the winner. So number one are the French team. On the other side, okay, maybe it can make confusion because uh, who is running MXGP, who is riding an open class, uh, you never know exactly. So it, it would be anyway a little bit difficult and tricky, but it's maybe a proposal that we can uh, take in consideration because then with 10 numbers, you have the top of the teams done already because you will have all the best riders and the best teams. But anyway... Uh, as I said, it was fantastic. Races were, wow, just crazy. Uh, we will maybe talk about this now, but uh, but it was great. It was, I'm, I'm still really enthusiastic. And believe me, I wasn't in past one of the biggest fans of the Motocross of Nation, even if I did few of the most beautiful. But uh, I, it always take me a while. This time I was living it a little bit more intensely and uh, and I really appreciate probably more than ever. Oh, mate, it looked like it was absolutely awesome. And obviously France on home soil getting the job done as we talk about the racing now, seventh win in history. They had the best team on paper, but you obviously you got to be the best team on the day and they really flexed their muscles, didn't they, mate? They were so good on that track. Rose to the occasion in front of those 102,000. You would have seen it all, mate, the flags, the flares, the chainsaws. The outfits, they really put on a show for their fans, didn't they? They put on an absolute clinic on that really hard, sketchy, sort of slippery track. Lots of sort of square edge bumps, lots of treacherous sections, a lot of really nasty crashes. And those guys just did it masterfully. Obviously, they got their line spot on, very incisive when they had to make the passes. And obviously, you had to set them up quite well on that track, mate, because it wasn't really easy to get through. So, yeah, they definitely did it so well, mate. Just a couple of stats from Paul Piercy for you, mate. Obviously, France laps led 19. Obviously, they had two of the fastest three laps. Obviously, Fever in race one, Renault in race two, and I believe Lawrence actually had the fastest lap in the third race with Ken Roxon in second, the only two in the 49s. So they were so impressive, but they did it all weekend, mate. Practice average 3.33, and they obviously had gate pick 26. Qualifying race finish average 2.33. Qualifying race first lap position 2.33. Race finish average 3.67. Obviously, Renault had the best average finish of a second. And the best average race first lap position, 4.33. They just set it up perfectly, didn't they, mate? You can't really fault it and be in there in person, watch those masters of the craft. Must have been nothing short of impressive. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at, at old teams, uh, old teams said at least two-thirds of the, the team that was made by true champions. Uh, and one, uh, I mean, difficult uh uh, one rider that was the the not not the best uh, possible uh, pick, but that this is what happened, you know, when uh, when you try to do a team, uh, and this was for for almost everyone. Uh, I still uh, think that Germany could maybe uh, make a different choice with Max that won in the previous week uh, uh, weekend uh, the the Adak title with a fantastic ride, but. You know, uh, you never know, and and it's up to to the coach to to make the team and to take the responsibility of doing it. And without the crash, 
of uh, Simon, for example, at the start of uh, race two without some bad luck, they they could be they could have been on the podium uh, quite easily. So uh, that there's no complaint to do, I think, for for anybody. French was the only team with three world champions on, uh, and that's something. Uh, and that's something you you can see uh, three world champions and three incredible uh, good riders. Uh, that I mean, two of them they will uh, compete for the title next year in MXGP, Fevre and and Renault. Uh, and the other one was to me one of the most impressive uh, rider of uh, the weekend because uh, what uh, Tom Vial has uh, have done in, in that second moto. It's something not common. Coming back that speed, and he explained it explained in really easy way. He said, uh, "I was thinking in my head that's my last moto of the season. Then I had some rest. I can go a little bit more, pushing a little bit more because then I'm done." You know, uh, and it was just look at him ending the pit lane, cornering, and doing that big corner before uh, on on the straight. It was just pure poetry you know it was fantastic uh another one that really was impressive of course was jet lawrence still some trouble with the starts and then you can see it uh, on, on the results a part of the last race but uh i was not that impressed at the lap time and i was like okay maybe it's just you know playing it easy but then the way he was coming back uh, it was fantastic and the ride was looking so easy on a track that he knows probably, but he wasn't riding since a while. Uh, so it's another one that was impressing me a lot. But what I liked more, I think, on racing were the battles, you know, the battles between uh, Prado and Fevre. Uh, that was something that we were probably waiting more of this during the season. But then finally it happens during the nation because they were free to do it. Even probably Roman was going a little bit too far. I mean, uh, when you play the bigger uh, for the bigger prize, uh, I, had, in my opinion, uh, it should have be easier and maybe just more relaxed and took for a second place, safer second place that would have been a fantastic result. But there is something more to play for next year. So I think that the, the the fight was on a different level, you know. On uh, I need to show you that I'm better than you. I need to show you what to expect next year. Um, and other fantastic fight was still again in between Roman and Alberto Forato. Yeah. We didn't show everything on TV, but on live I saw so many crossing lines between those two guys. This was crazy. And we saw, honestly, a few of the best battles of the year. And that's, I think, a good payback for, for the people that were there because it was really intense. Uh, the, the fight was never there for the victory. I mean, French was mm. too strong, too quick, too fast, still from Saturday. And nobody could really. But this is because, uh, like, Australia had a fantastic rider. Germany had a fantastic rider but just one you know same for germany same for all the top teams at one yeah. fantastic ride not three and they got three so the, the the fight for the victory was never there the fight was for second third and fourth until uh, the five top five so uh i'm glad that italy went third uh but uh it was because we were lucky enough to put 
everything together and to avoid few mistakes. And we had a fantastic ride from Andrea uh, Bonacorsi, who was honestly really surprising because uh, he took almost the team on his shoulder and this third moto, starting from the last position after the crash at the starting gate, it was something great. I mean, it went back so fast, so quick. And then that was one of the results, one of the key to, to get on the podium, you know. And then Alberto did a fantastic race, of course, also. And Andrea, the second moto was fantastic while he was there fighting with the 350, with Liam Evers with the 350. And he almost got him, you know. So yeah. I think that all three, they had a fantastic highlight. Uh, but we had a dramatic moment after the qualifying race because we were like, okay, what happened now? And race one was a big disaster, big mess for Italy. So we were a little bit all like, okay, this year uh, is for next year. But then the miracle happened. And the nation is like that. Uh, you need to put it together. Uh, it's not the individual performance that can change the results. It's everyone has to do it for the team. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's a great insight there. And just on the topic of, I guess, France and Italy, Bonacorsi, so impressive, mate. We've obviously talked about him, sung his praises a lot and how he's ready for that 450 class. He'll probably do the one year at MX2, obviously, next year with Yamaha announcing those structures, maybe one or two years. But either way, he's definitely ready for that bike. But still, to come in on that stage is so impressive, mate. And I guess you look at the future of Italian motocross and it's in good hands, isn't it? Obviously, the likes of Lupino and Cairoli and Monticelli are sort of, you know, either gone or on their way out. And then you've got guys like Guadagnini, obviously Bonacorsi, Adamo is just an elite talent. Ferrato has got a great future. Then you've got guys like Zanke and Latta coming through. So how excited are you for the next generation coming through, mate? It's really cool. And you look at France too, they had a lot of excellent guys not there too, like Muscan obviously on his last leg, but Ferrandez, Beniston, Rossi, Patrell could have gone in there and they probably still would have won. So the depth of these countries, mate, it's frightening, isn't it? Yeah, I think that that we have to really consider the, the work and the job that is done by the federations uh, and to develop the sport, keep uh, uh, the young talents growing uh, and to come up till uh, uh, the main classes. All the, the guys you're talking about, like Bonacorsi, uh, like Forato, Guadagnini, they all come from uh, the program that is called Talenti Azzurri, the, the Italian young talents, you know. So we have really to to consider this, and like the French Federation is the one who is pushing and working more. We can uh, uh, compare their work to the work that Yamaha is doing with the Yamaha Blue Crew Trophy, and then let grow the riders with the GMC team, then Uten Metal, then Kemea, then the factory team. Okay, now for next year this will be a different uh, <laughs> scale of value because. Kemea will be, will be on top uh, and, and all the rest down. But uh, it's, uh, it, it's a work that give is, uh, uh, its results only after years and years and years because the selection must be really, really hard and tough and, and you need to, to, let, to let the young kids grow in the, in the nice way. Um, Andrea, as you said, is ready for the 450. Uh, I think that one year in MX2 would be enough for him just before jumping on the big bike. Uh, we'll see which one, but I think that uh, if, he, if he rides properly and well, it's really sure that he's ready. 
uh, he was riding only two times with this bike, one or two times with this bike, but he's um, uh, try, um, testing and he's uh, training himself with the 450 since a while, and you can clearly see on the way he's riding. But his body is ready, he's, uh, he's so big and strong, uh, uh, but in the meantime, he's not big as Forato. So for the start and for those uh, things, I think it will be uh, better uh, on, on just on the physical point of view. Eh? So uh, motocross looks good for Italy. The future of motocross looks good for Italy, for France, of course. Uh, but there are few nations that you, you see that are struggling to find young, good young talents like UK, for example. Uh, uh, the situation is not easy for them. And there are other federations where the situation is not good. Spain, for example, is growing, but still they are need they need to find more young talents. But I mean, they have a 22 years old kid that is world champion of the the the, uh, the queen class. So it's uh, it will come. And I think that Jorge is doing a fantastic work on promoting the sport in his country. He was on TV yesterday and and today in Spain and. It, it's big what he did and it's big what he's doing for the sport. So I'm pretty sure that plenty of young kids would like to approach now motocross, approach this sport. And as bigger is uh, the, the field of young talents that approach the sport, as easier it is to pick uh, the few pure talent uh, that can grow in a, in a better way. Uh, on the on the other hand, I think that uh, yeah, uh, Andrea Adamo did a fantastic uh, job this year with uh, winning the title, and he represents the future of Italy in MX2. But if you look, as you said, to Zanchi, to Lata, uh, to Mancini, uh, that uh, was on the podium uh, in uh, uh, Matele Basin with the one to five, and they won the Blue Crew one to five trophy in Erne. It's already someone that can, uh, since uh, Lata, again be competitive uh, in the one to five class. Italy won with uh, Lata last time in 2021, I guess, and in 2020 was Bonacorsi in 125, winning the European title. And those European titles uh, says a lot uh, because uh, for France was uh, uh, Beniston winning one to five and then two fifty. Uh, Rikel Zinga, uh, Jago Gertz. So all those federations, like also the Dutch one, the Belgian one, uh, are really present with the young uh, uh, talents. And you, you can see on the results of the, the European classes. Those European classes are really uh, the place where to grow the young talent. And you can almost see maybe the nation of 2030 can be a fight in between France, Italy, Belgium, Holland, you know, because you see already how many young talents are competing there. They will be the future of motocross. So. And maybe even somewhere like Latvia, they're, you know, bringing through some wow. good talent all the time too, aren't they? Yes. East Europe uh, is pushing out. Latvia, it's incredible. It's mm. a, such a small country. It's uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, people, I think it's like one of the region of Italy, not more. Uh, like probably Lombardia, only one region of out of 20 in Italy. But they grow a lot of young talents. Uh, in this case, I think it's the effect of having a world champion, like, for example, Paul Jonas, uh, a Grand Prix there 
and the academy from uh, in front uh, there every year. So uh, again, you can select riders, you can follow riders from close and uh, uh, it works. Uh, you see it works. Resolis is... Uh, uh, Resolis Brothers are just one of uh, uh, the clear example of uh, how it works uh, well when you do the, the work since the beginning with those kids. Yeah, it's really exciting. Obviously, Bidzans is another great talent who won the most recent ADAC yeah. round. So they're just flowing with the talent, mate. So it'll definitely be interesting to keep an eye on that. Another country we have sort of spoken a little bit about, but not heaps. Germany obviously got some really exciting yeah. talent since that ADAC series is really strong and really Good crop of riders, and obviously, how good was it having Ken Roxon back, mate? Bringing that star power. Obviously, a guy you probably haven't seen in Europe for quite a while, but what a rider! Run his class. His impressive twenty twenty three continues, as we've discussed. He looks refreshed, revitalised. His focus is just recalibrated. He's got that freedom and just a masterclass again. Seeing him out there doing it on the Suzuki, obviously stored it and getting the Kickstarter out. The fans sort of had a good little time with that one. But he's just the way he adapts to everything, you know, Supercross, World Supercross, outdoors, SMX. It's just amazing. Motocross the Nations. He does it all. He's got all the skill, the speed. Just phenomenal rider, really, mate. Just sort of another testament to the class act he is and another sort of stamp on his legacy because I guess... He really did deserve a podium for the team on that one. Another day, they probably should have had it because obviously with Spain, which you can talk on to, Fernandez's crashes just cost them a podium because they would, you know, really should have got there. But he was riding well. He's just that track was catching people out as well. And I guess when you look at Spain next year, Farris, obviously all the reports, so he's going to Rockstar Husky in America. So if he stays fit, he had some really great rides on the Star Racing program. Came out of nowhere really last year, didn't he, mate? So yeah. Only really the hardcore fans were following what he was doing in a little bit of MX2 and EMX. So exciting times ahead for them. And yeah, just your thoughts on those guys, mate. And how good was it just seeing Kenny back and in person? Yeah, yeah. You know, as I said at the beginning, uh it was so nice to see people that you don't see for a while. And that's, for example, with, with Ken was exactly like this. I mean, uh, having Ken uh, Rocks and, and Marvin Musken uh, uh, in the same paddock in the meantime uh, in France, uh, sometime I was just turning around and say, oh, my gosh, but that, this is, you know, like l remembers me about uh, 14, 15 years ago. What it, It's an incredible amount of time. But in the meantime, when you think about uh, how old is Ken Roxon is only 29 but is oh my gosh he's still really young I mean Tony was riding till 36 years old uh, so what about having Ken for more other six seven years on track I don't know if this can happen because the rhythm of uh, the American competition is really really higher than our so maybe uh, but what about maybe after this year it will be in uh, Suzuki why not changing brand in two years maybe thinking about coming back one day or with a new project with whatever so it's uh it's amazing to see those guys competing at this level i think that can it's uh, a unique example of being so uh i mean doing it easy in every classes a little bit like jet lawrence because jet showed the same to be incredible on supercross on national on super motocross and at the nations too, uh, there are just a few of those uh, riders uh, in the world in the history of the sport. There are only few of those talents out there, and those are few of those are like Ken and Jet and 
it's it's amazing to see all those guys all together. We were just missing uh, Jeffrey Erlings uh, because I think that with Jeffrey on track and maybe Chase Sexton, uh, it could have been something never seen before. You know what I mean? Uh, but the injuries are a part of the sport. Contracts are a part of the sport, so uh, it wasn't possible. Uh, but but still, it was incredible to have all them together on track. Uh, okay, Marvin was just cheering for his team, and he was there because uh, uh, he planned to come back and to stay close to to the French uh, team and to, of course, Tom Vial because they create a very very nice relationship over there. Uh, but yeah, I think it it was fantastic. Germany deserves more, as you said. Of course, uh, it was uh, a bit tough the nature for them with the crash and everything because I think that uh, Simon showed on uh, on on the qualifying race his speed, his skills are incredible. He wasn't that lucky. I think that few of the federation had to reconsider probably the position at the gate uh, uh, because those were creating few troubles at the first corner uh, when you have the 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 slowest rider because of the bike uh, capacity uh, on the inside uh, and and the others on the outside or vice versa. It's imp- then you create troubles at the start and it can be good. For you, or it can be really bad. Uh, Simon was just unlucky uh, because people crashed in front of him, and he could not avoid. And then he had a huge crash. I had some of the picture while he's really jumping in the air with a bike and everything. So, but still, uh, without that crash, they could have been on podium for sure. Uh, no surprise from uh, Oliver Oriol, unfortunately because he wasn't really able to put on uh, the, a proper performance. But I think that the pressure was really high on those guys. You know him, Tom Koch. Uh, they were feeling really on their shoulder the pressure of an entire nation uh, uh, to get a result. Because when you have two of the uh, your two teammates like considered the strongest in MX2 and MXGP, or few of the strongest, like Simon and and Ken, your position is quite tricky. You 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 want to, of course, to give everything, and I think on the few that crack under the pressure, you can consider Ruben Fernandez that was riding great till he start crashing, and then he didn't stop crashing till now. I think he's still probably crashing at home because he, he, he did one crash every two three laps. And that was a mess for him because he was so good, you know. But then stuff like that can happen. And another one that was, for me, I I wasn't expecting him crashing like that. I'm not crashing, but cracking under the pressure was Tim Geyser. Geyser uh, was never on top, but I know that he had arm pumps. I know that he was struggling. I know that he probably, probably, I say, because I wasn't, talking with him about this uh, so frankly, but I think that he was just want too much for him, uh, too much for his team, not for himself, of course, but for Slovenia. He want to carry on his shoulder, Slovenia, and, and take him to the historical results. And the result came because they, they the top 10, they were qualified, and that seems maybe it's the first time. Uh, and so, hat off, but it could have been so much better for him. 
without this pressure, just riding easy, like the last race he did, you know, Matali Bessin or Turkey mm. or Majora, just easy. But it was, I think, carry on too much and uh, wanting maybe too much. But it's something that happened. I mean, it's just uh, it's just a race. Uh, but that makes it also really interesting. Yeah, mate, it's really cool insight there. And Tim, the kit looked pretty cool. The Fox kit was looking great there. And same with the Americans, yeah. mate. We'll get on to them now. Obviously, they had a fair bit of pressure and weight of expectation coming in on them in many ways. Just great they had a team after all the drama surrounding that, mate. But it was really cool to see those guys there. And they clearly liked the atmosphere. They had a great time. Obviously, the racing <laughs> didn't quite go to plan. You know, Plessinger showed some really good speed. Hampshire as well. Christian Craig, you know, valiant effort gallon there. Obviously, he's only had around six weeks on the bike and he obviously hasn't raced officially since Supercross. So that was a massive injury he was dealing with, mate. So respect to them for getting out there. They had a fair bit of bad luck thrown their way as well. But I suppose the numbers from Paul sort of sum it up. Obviously, the practice average was 8.33. Qualifying race finish was six. So it started okay. Qualifying race first lap position fourth. And then on the Sunday, the race finish average 14.16 and the first lap position 16.67. Kind of sums up how their day went. Yeah, I think that, uh, of course, the guys deserve uh, respect because of what they did. They they take, uh, they take it over uh, for their nation uh, and uh, they, they wanted to, to do it well. Uh, of course, uh, compared to other times, uh, the team was a little bit uh, with less expectations, of course. But uh, uh, I think that uh, with a little bit more luck, uh, Aaron could do it uh, even better than what he did. It was good on start. Uh, it was good on racing. Uh, uh, but still, I think that the track has may have made a lot uh, a big difference for for that because. Uh, they're not yeah. used to, to to ride on track like that. The track was for them was really slippery, was really hard. Uh, but still, I think that uh, uh, you have to uh, to imagine that there's there was no rain on Erne for like the last two months. So I think that they did the best they could have done uh, with what they had, and and the track was quite good. We saw a lot of overtaking. A lot of uh, passes, and and this is usually the problem with tracks in Europe. Uh, not enough lines, no places where to pass. But when you see a lot of passes, this says a lot about how the track is well prepared. Uh, of course, the nations make it easier because of difference of capacity of the bikes, uh, riders that are coming from completely different environments. So you can have a rider that is competing in. Uh, uh, EMX one to five that is then with the two fifty bike or a rider that is competing in the European two fifty that is with MXGP bike. So uh, this makes it easy to make the difference in between a Fevre and uh, just to say a name uh, like Rezulis, you know, and and it's easier to have an a, an overtake. But in the meantime, I think that for the American, the tracks in Europe are still a little bit more difficult than what it seems. Then what I have to say that in 2005 I was there and, and I saw the ride the American riders of that time being the better the best rider uh, of the competition, you know, and to over uh, ride over the problems, ride over the track and doing it uh, properly and beating one of the strongest French team ever, because in 2005 was Michael 
Pichon with Sebastian Tortelli and David Bouleman, three American riders again, you know, but French. Uh, and they they lost. I mean, they were second. Uh, but yeah, and in 2015, they ended second again, the American riders. So they were there for the competition, maybe never challenging for the victory, but they were there on the second spot of the podium. This year, I think that two-thirds of the champion of the of the riders of the American riders were a little bit not at the same level of uh, of what it could have been with taking other riders, but they were not available. They did their best. Uh, they were probably a little bit surprised, but this is how, how it happens here. Matterly Basin will uh, fit better probably to them, and it will fit better to them next year, that's for sure. But still, uh, we have to consider that in Europe, uh, having riders uh, uh, like we have at the moment, uh, it's really difficult to beat them. Uh, I would say, uh, I would see honestly what happened in Red Bad this year with the French team. Uh, like this with Fevre in these conditions um, with Maxime Renault in these conditions and with Tom Vial in these conditions last year the French team didn't add Vial because of an operation they didn't add many uh, and, and Romain wasn't uh, probably riding so they had Dylan Ferrandis they had Maxime Renault you see it's it's another level uh, of, of an overall Team. No, Marvin. And, oh, Marvin. Wow. Yeah, you're right. But but the Roman of this year, it's not, I would not say unbeatable because he was beaten in the third moto, but it, it, it's on an incredible moment. Uh, Tom, uh, we all have seen uh, how he's able to do, what he's able to do. And I think that Maxime rode the best race of his season uh, so far. And also wanted to show what he is able to do next year. So I think that the the tracks problem we have to consider just because of the quality of the riders. Uh, you know, if you take the top of the top, they will just fight on the almost equal level. But this year uh, there was a little more gap than usual in between the American team and the Europe, the best European teams. So it's just this. With this, I don't want to underestimate nobody of the American riders at off for what they did to come here, to take this responsibility and to ride on a track that they never seen before, like for RJ Amsha and, and Christian Craig and and Plessinger was the first time in Erne. And it's never easy to, to ride for the first time on a track like Erne in front of a public like this, a crowds like this, uh, in a, this kind of atmosphere. So... Uh, well done, guys. Uh, I really hope that uh, you you all can come over in uh, uh, next year in UK at Matterly Basin, and I'm pretty sure that we will uh, see already a different race at that time. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's really cool stuff, and yeah, I think all the riders will be really keen to hit that Matterly circuit because it's definitely one of the favourites across all riders around the world. So that'd be really cool. And on the topic of just America, before we sort of finalise the last few teams on the nations. Obviously, Prado's obviously off to do some Supercross testing, which will be really exciting for him. But it is a little bit of a problem, I guess, a lot of these GP riders wanting to go to America. It's sort of going to hurt the series. Obviously, guys like Beniston, a lot of those French riders, really technical. You look at Rossi, Vallon, all these guys, they're probably going to be, you know, it's on their radar to head to America. Even DeWolf might be off one day. Spees, 
was even telling me because he's a really good jumper and got a lot of bike skill. He would love to do supercross, got that tall frame. So a lot of guys have their eyes on that as part of the pathway in their careers. So what's your thoughts on it, mate? It's going to be pretty hard to cope for MXGP with losing all those talents, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Also, for example, the Kunan brothers stayed. Yeah, Kunan brothers, yep. America. So it looks like uh, almost, uh, I mean, a lot of young talents want to go America one day. That's still the dream for many. And uh, with the Super Motocross uh, uh, final series uh, going on with those kind of prizes, it's even more, you know, yeah, money are there, uh, money is there. And when money is there, people are, of course, more interested in and going there uh, but I think that somehow it's interesting it's even more interesting to see the American championship being colonized by the European talents uh, it's since the first Frenchie that are were going there like Pichon like Jean-Michel Bail the first all succeed they almost all succeed of course not all but many of those riders, they went there and they succeed. That's the case for uh, Jean-Michel Bale, for uh, uh, Michael Pichon, is a case, of course, for uh, Marvin Musquen, for Ken Roxen, uh, for many of the young, Dylan Ferrandis, the best probably uh, European rider ever in terms of championship achieved, you know. So it's uh, interesting to see how the motocross, the European motocross is still able to produce talents that are going there and win there. Of course, it's a little problem for us because we are losing fantastic talents. But in the meantime, we have a kind of factory, a talent factory in Europe because we are growing so many. But that's just because we have many federations, many nations, and every nation is trying to do better. You know that in between Italy and France, for example, the two federations, they have a trophy for the young kids every year. That is the trophy Italy-France. Every year they do the race, one in Italy, one in France. I mean, one year in Italy, one year in France, the year after again in Italy and then in France. <coughs> Where just the young riders, the super young, 65, 85, they fight each other, and it's just a trophy. doesn't really matter the results at the end. But it's because of the rivality growing and is to stimulate the young kids to grow, to do better, and to have always um, a good relationship with the other federation, but in the meantime, to being able to uh, just, you know, you, you look at what they do and you try to learn and, and you show what you do. And, and in this way, we have in the last 20 years, I cannot even count how many young talents we grow in Europe and uh, and we have uh, just coming into the series and few of them are going to US, of course. There will be no place for everyone. Mm. Sometimes they go, they try, and then maybe they don't succeed or they will one day. Like, for example, Fares, I hope he will succeed in America for him. But in Europe, it's far to have demonstrate something really winning even a European championship. He was a good rider. He went there and he found his way probably there. He will maybe succeed one day. But when you go there without having win in everyone in Europe, it's always much more difficult. When you show that uh, you are able to win in Europe, then 
it's more easy to win there. And that's the case for many of those uh, riders. And again, I was talking with uh, the Lawrence father in uh, in Ernay, and he told me something really easy. He said, I wish that all the Australian riders that wants to come to America, they spend time before in Europe, but not one season, years in Europe to grow before coming there. Because for Jet and for Hunter was fundamental to be in Europe before, to grow and to then go then winning. So they have probably the factory of the money, but we have the factory of the talents. And okay, many of those guys go to America. There will be no place for everyone, that's for sure. So not all they can go there uh, in a factory team with good facilities. Few, they succeed. Even without succeeding properly, they found a job and they get paid for and they make their life with. For example, Noren. Noren is one of the riders that uh, never done anything in Europe and he will probably never did so much in Europe. But there, he found his way, he's riding, he's competing, he's paid for, and hat off. That's a real a real bet, but he won his bet, and he's doing what he likes to do in that championship. For what considered the top talents, yeah, that's a problem to lose it. But as I said, we have a kind of factory, and we replace those uh, riders. Two years ago, nobody knew nothing about the Kunen brothers, and now we're all scared that they can leave. I hope they don't. Probably they will. But we will have other riders coming up from the European Championship and take over. And then they will just fight at the nation once again and it will be cool. Uh, so it's a rivality between two different worlds, two different ways to see the races. And on another hand, if I can say I'm not super enthusiastic about the super motocross. And I was talking with a few persons from America at their this weekend, and they all agreed that it could have it could be and it could end a little bit like the Monster Energy Cup in few seasons because it's a massive, it's really massive, but still on the sport side. Mm, not sure that is the best possible event, but we will see. I, I don't want to uh, to talk bad about anything. It's just uh, my opinion about this series. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, it makes a good conversation. It's really cool to hear your thoughts on it. And I guess we just heard the other day Talviku is going to be heading to America. A guy who's shown that he's a very capable rider, done some outdoors, and it's cool that he's grasped yeah. an opportunity to go there. And I guess some of the Americans, they see riders from all over, not necessarily just Europe, obviously, you got Shimoda as well doing his thing. But a lot of the time, those top spots, podium spots, are filled by the Lawrence brothers, Vial, Shimoda, Ferrandis. You know, it's got to be sort of a, a bit of a reality check for America in a lot of ways in how they're doing things. Obviously, the amateur programs, you know, they're very good proven ones. They're such elite supercross riders. So, and the skills are there. But, you know, they're always looking at gaining ideas from the EMX series. You hear that openly with the combines they're running. So it's interesting if they can sort of obviously share ideas and work together. Obviously, it looks like they've got a pretty good relationship with the nations and, you know, in front working with Davey Coombs and the team down there. So it'll be interesting, obviously, looking at Ironman for the next nations after Madley Basin. Is that the word going around, mate? You think that'll happen? And just your chat on the relationship between all these federations and organizations. I guess it can only be good for the sport to elevate things. Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure that uh, that it will be like that. There is a new generation of American riders that are coming coming up, like uh, 
uh, Hayden Deegan uh, or Ryder Di Francesco or uh, all those kids, uh, as we had also in past, few of the greatest uh, young talents uh, from America, they didn't succeed because of uh, uh, problems, because of injuries or stuff like that. You can always, I remember Austin Faulkner. Austin Faulkner for me was, wow, someone, you know, like uh, amazing. We I even tried at the time when I was working in Honda uh, to let him come to Europe to do a few races or stuff like that. But uh, uh, it's it's a kind of uh, uh, stuff that can happen with with the young riders. But I think that there is a, a new generation that is coming up. Uh, but there is a, a kind of uh, empty spot in between uh, the the top talents uh, that are at the end of their career because Villopoto, Bars, eh, Villopoto, sorry, Tomac, Barcia. Those riders are ending their careers. Okay, there is uh, Chase Sexton that is coming up. There are a few others that are coming up, but even Webb is somehow at the end of his career, you know. And and the young are really, really young. So, like, for example, Aiden Deegan, that looks impressive, is and still really young. Yeah, also, of course. Uh, but yeah, we we're gonna see what what happened. There is maybe some somewhere they 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 should like pushing again a little bit more on on the amateur program that is really developed in America. It should work normally. It works pretty well, but it's also uh, a huge change. What I didn't expect at all ten years ago is that motocross in Europe could have been developed in such a good way. Uh, let grow so many young times. It was a moment where it was looking that our sport was going slightly down because of how demanding is for the riders uh, on every point of view, physically, uh, painfully, whatever. It was a little bit like, say, okay, new generation, they prefer video games, they prefer the mobile phone, iPhone and stuff, yeah, and and, and not, you know, are not ready really to push on the physical uh, uh, sport. In fact, 10 years after, we can say that we have probably, we are growing some of the biggest talents ever uh, in Europe. So, I mean, the situation looks really good. Yeah, it's good, mate. You know, great racing all over the globe for the fans. And it's really cool to obviously see the melting pot come at events like the motocross the nations. And I guess before we wrap it up, mate, just, I guess, some final thoughts on the nations. Obviously, Everts. On the 350 for Belgium was really impressive. You talked to his dad. You know, his yeah. great year continued, really impressive, held his own there and felt comfortable on that bike. And Lucas Koonin and Yago Geertz probably would have expected a bit better weekend. But the kits looked great, mate. They were really impressive. And the Netherlands, you got to feel sorry for them because they probably would have been pretty uh, up there with the, you know, podium at least with Koldenhoff sadly getting injured on the Saturday and Blandron and DeWolf sort of valiantly battling on. It must be a bit of a strange mindset when you sort of know you can't really do much, but it's the last race of the year. You don't want to get hurt. There's just for pride at that point for your country and yourself. And just a couple of really nasty crashes. We saw, obviously, Havisto's one was absolutely frightening down the hill there. And obviously, Grant Harlan suffered a really brutal injury from his one. So hopefully, he's all right. It looks like he should be okay, hopefully, when he gets back to America. But yeah, there were some nasty ones, mate. The track was catching people out, but there were some... Sort of pretty cool stuff below the top podium, guys, too, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I was talking with his father, uh, from uh, father from Liam, and I was talking with his grandfather also. And that was something really cool because 
mostly of the time uh, we we miss a little part of the story while uh, I mean I was living uh, one part of uh, Stefan career so I know how much he won I know how strong he was I saw him riding uh, uh, I lost uh, with my team plenty of time against him so um, it's still fresh in my mind but of course uh, what his father has done Harry uh, is not so fresh in my mind I never saw him riding then while I was talking with him on TV he said yeah I I, I won eight times the nation's I was, oh my God, how it's possible to win eight times the nation. Even Gauthier Paulin never won eight times the nation. He won the nation five times. But yeah, apart of the jokes, it's incredible. And he said, yes, it was cool. I won with the Bull Taco. And when the Americans were coming to look at the bike, they said, what this bike is? We never heard about this bike. They were only on Honda, Kawasaki, Yamaha, you know. They never heard about the Bull Taco. And the kid at that time, uh, having even the polyomyelite when he was young, uh, so with uh, one offense leg and uh, still today not able to walk properly, he won uh, with this bike in front of, uh, of the Americans. He beat the Americans with this bike and he was so proud about uh, But he said, I don't remember how many times I did the nation. It's difficult to count. But I know that I won eight times with the team, of course. And he always said, with the team and not personally. And that says a lot about how the people can be still humble with four world titles, eight nation one, being the father of the 10 time world champion and the grandfather of a, a world championship rider, but still so humble to always uh, uh, say, but I didn't won eight times. The team have won eight times with me in the team. So that, that, that's fantastic. You know, it says really a lot about the person, about how, how good the people can be. Uh, I was disappointed, honestly, about Iago Gerb's performance. Uh, I didn't show him so much, but uh, to me, I was expecting much more from him. Uh, maybe the track was not the best for him mostly after the, the huge crash and injury that he had this year in Villar Suzeko, few, you know, the big downhill reminds maybe a little bit about that place where he crashed so heavily. Uh, but I was expecting a little bit more as he did fantastically with the 450 last year in uh, um, Red Bud. The, probably the big advantage at the moment uh, for, what, for, for KTM is to have a 350. What gives an open class uh, uh, to the riders uh, uh, a, a nice uh, weapon, uh, you know, without having all this power to uh, to manage. And uh, it's a very enjoyable bike. Uh, Tony, I think, was working quite a lot on this 350 during this year. And, uh, and I think that Liam probably was one of the most surprising riders of uh, the nation 2023. It's not a surprise that he's a very good rider, but he was able to put on some of the best performance as Andrea Bonaccorsi. So I would say if I have to pick uh, two surprises, uh, two best rides uh, compared to the expectation, those are Andrea Bonaccorsi and Liam Everts. Uh, I was underestimate their potential with the 350 and the 450. Uh, for what consider the riders that didn't surprise me at all or uh, disappointed me a little bit. Iago Gers was uh, one of the riders. 
Lucas Koinen was uh, won the Ricky Award, uh, uh, the Ricky Carmichael Award as the best young uh, rider, uh, and and I think he's uh, the best accomplishment for his season so far. Even his if his performances through the weekend weren't like uh, wow, you know those are amazing like he have done uh, during like in Germany or in Indonesia. Uh, on the other hand, Kaido Wolf also was to me a little bit not at his best, and the poor uh, Glenn Koldenhoff uh, ended in the worst possible uh, way the last race with Yamaha. I mean, with the blue Yamaha because next year he will have a white Yamaha probably or something similar with a, a Fantic bike. I'm joking. I know that he's a proper Fantic. This time we will see a real Fantic bike for 50. They are already testing and uh, the bike will look great. But uh, that was just a joke. But um, for what consider uh, um, Glenn, it was really a shame. And I have to say that I went there just occasionally to make an interview uh, to Jeremy Sewer at the end of race one, and he was there, and he was already changed in a normal cloth as uh, Jeremy Sewer was still in racing cloth, and I didn't realize that uh, he, he came out with a big injury, with a big crash, and he was unable to to ride. So I didn't talk with him about this. I'm sorry for this for the spectators and for him, uh, but I didn't realize at that moment, that that exactly moment that. Uh, uh, it was over. It was out. So that was a shame because it was Saturday and I, it could have been uh, something to to talk about. And it's a shame for him because it's really someone that put a lot of effort for uh, the national team and that uh, always uh, want to succeed and do something special for his uh, for his team. And I'm pretty sure that for his last race with Yamaha, he wanted to do pretty well. But uh, the nation is also this. The track was catchy on. Uh, mostly on traction. So uh, a few nasty crash happened, but I, I won't say that it was a dangerous track uh, on the other hand. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And obviously, yeah, congratulations to France getting it done. Australia, that's their best ever finish, mate, following on from the third last year in Italy. Great weekend for us too, mate, with Italy getting third. So really impressive, mate. So that's kind of wraps up our Nations podcast. And just wanted to personally thank you and the MX Vice team for joining us on these podcasts, taking the time. We really appreciate it. Lorenzo, the fans absolutely love it. We get so much great listen numbers. The feedback's really good. So we're so grateful for you taking the time to join us, mate. We definitely really appreciate it. And hopefully we can do a few more ones in the off-season, maybe get a rider to do an interview with us or do something like this just to talk about some old-school motocross or whatever, mate, because we're definitely grateful and look forward to partnering up next year as well. Yeah, we'll see, of course. Um, uh, to me, it was always a pleasure. Uh, it looks more uh, like a chat with a, uh, with a friend that share the same passion. So people don't know because we they listen only at our one hour, one hour and a half, two hours talking, but we sometimes do three hours talking about everything before and after the podcast. But uh, it, it's a, always a pleasure. It was a big honor for me to to be on board this year. Uh, as you know, I always love to to talk after the races because there is something more interesting to talk about, and uh, and because when I'm there on the field on track, uh, I feel that I can uh, uh, bring something, uh, some behind the scenes, some inside, you know, that uh, are interesting for uh, for the public. Sometimes it's cool to talk about the past, about uh, uh, my last twenty years career. 
but it was really a big pleasure. We will see if maybe in future we will go on. Next year we will uh, start again with uh, doing it because uh, it, it will be for sure a pleasure for me to do it. Uh, but it was a great honor for me to do it and to have such a, a big, uh, uh, I, I would say, uh, uh, a big place where to be free to talk, to say whatever I think, what I really think without any kind of uh, uh, limitation. And, uh, and you know, when you are uh, at this big stage and you can talk with, probably we can talk about uh, thousands of people uh, or, or even more than thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people. It's a big responsibility, but it's uh, uh, honestly, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, and uh, so it's me uh, saying thank you to you. Uh, of course, to James, to all MX Vice, and uh, and uh, yeah, looking forward, of course. Yeah, mate. Cheers, mate. It's been absolutely awesome. And just before I let you go, obviously, what are the plans for the off season, mate? You got any holidays lined up? Anything like that? Some cool things in the works, no doubt. You'll be a very busy man still, but obviously, been a massive year for you, mate. It's a very busy one, getting all the races, doing the nations, doing the extra media work. You got a lot of things on your plate, so yeah, we're grateful you fitted in. But what are the plans, mate? At the moment, the plan is to take it easy this week, uh, one week and home finally. Then I will uh, go to Sicily as uh, uh, the authorities in Sicily want to make a, a nice reward to Andrea Damo for his title. And uh, uh, I will be the voice there. And uh, from there, I will move to Tony's uh, uh, hometown, uh, birth town, so where in party and where every year we have uh, some of the best moments of the year really relaxed on some point on the other really demanding because we do whatever is possible in four days from uh, driving go-karts riding enduro bike playing football playing paddle doing really whatever but it's the most enjoyable moment of the season uh, so it will take one week approximately to do everything. Then I will be back for uh, another weekend. And then is ECMA time, where a lot of news, a lot of stuff happen. I work there. I work for television, for the races there. Uh, we do Supercross uh, European Italian Championship. We do uh, some uh, Hard Enduro Italian International Italia Championship, Supercross International Italia Championship. Uh, and I do TV there. I do plenty of little things. Uh, I will maybe still work for Ram also in ACMA to do some event because they want to get a partnership maybe with ACMA. So uh, it will be, I think, still busy till uh, middle of November. And then not really holiday, but uh, a little bit uh, cool down. And uh, and I will take easy, you know, the the the, the last weekends of the year. Oh, mate, it's impressive. And yeah, 2024 will roll around sort of extremely quickly as well, no doubt. And before we wrap this one up, we'd like to thank the sponsors in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross enduro parts from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. Obviously, Kawasaki Motors UK, the KLX 140R range has been a great sponsor of the show. The lineup offers a 144cc engine, plush suspension, and push-button electric start, making for great trailblazers 
The KLX 140R machines come in three different sizes, ranging from Junior's first tentative steps to pushing the door wide open on adult riding. Contact your local off-road dealership for more information. All right, thanks again, Lorenzo. It's been an absolute blast doing these podcasts this season, mate. All the best for the busy off-season, and we look forward to maybe pumping a couple of these out during then, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for everything, and looking forward to hear from you. Ciao, mate. No worries. Pleasure. Thanks, mate.